Welcome back. It's episode three of the Tom Weekly Podcast. Uh, we are back. I, last week, we had a couple of hosting problems and issues, but uh, we're back up now. And then we had a guest cancellation. And so the the one person that I have wanted on this podcast since the minute it was even conceived filled in, and I'm obsessed with her. It is Dorje. Dorje is here. How are you doing? Hi, Tommy. I'm great. How are you? I'm good, thank you. It's it's late at night. It's ten fifteen. It yes, <laughs> and, and we are we're we're on the phone. We're hanging, and you're in your little witching hour space. You said me too. Yeah, I'm in my office slash uh, slash treatment room where I see my clients, and uh, it's nice and calming. And yes, I have my delicious uh, delicious gin. Oh gosh. Uh, <laughs> oh shit. Uh, <laughs> We've already started. It's that's we've how it already is. started. It's over. Um, <laughs> uh, I love. It. I mean, yeah. what's your what's your gin like? What's your drink of choice? Oh, okay. So I actually am drinking a gin that was sent to me by a dear friend in Vancouver who works oh. at um, uh, a distillery, and oh. uh, yeah. So it is an incredible and delicious, and it's called. Uh, Long Table Distillery. I feel Ooh. like I just want to make sure I got that right because I did have. Yes, thank you. I, I nailed it. Uh, <laughs> yes. Long Table Distillery. And uh, they're, yeah, out of Vancouver. And it is the like smoothest gin I've had so far. I do really like my gin. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, there's so many great craft uh, distilleries like in Alberta and also in BC and in Saskatchewan as well in the prairies. Um, yep. And uh, yeah, it's delicious. Citrusy, smooth, chef's kiss. Incredible. Long table distillery shouting you out. Yeah. I'm here for this. Um, now, I, I'm actually just going to get right to it because you are this such a unique package type of human. And I want to start with, um, before we get into the music, cause we're going to get into that a little bit, but, um, yeah. shaman. So Dorje, the singing shaman. So tell us a little bit more, maybe educate us on, um, shamanism, what it means to be a shaman, um, things like that. Yeah. Um, I, I think there's a lot of aspects of being a shaman that, um, present themselves like in an individualistic sense, like my shamanic practice is unique to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but that being said, I, yeah, I've just studied and trained um, over many years, almost a decade with different masters, uh, different teachers in within different lineages and modalities. And I've created my own unique shamanic practice. I'm also a Buddhist practitioner. Um, I uh, have a guru, a Rinpoche, who is from Tibet. Um, my lineage is connected uh, with the Vajrayana lineage and the remade tradition, and that's connected to the Zarzar Monastery in Ashuk Village. That's where my guru is from. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has like disciples in Vancouver. That was a part of his kind of mission brought forward to him by his guru. It was to come to um, the Western world, and he found himself in Vancouver, and I was living there at the time when he was, um, yeah, just uh, setting up a Dharma center there. Right. And uh, yeah, so both of those things, my Buddhism, so there's like empowerment and, and um, teachings that I have been given and bestowed upon by my my guru. Um, and then along with that, uh, pranic healing is one of the main modalities I work within, which, uh, helps me to work within the energy body system, the chakras. Mm -hmm. And then also on top of that, I have, uh, my shamanic training, which is, I did with the four wind society. And that's actually an accredited school for shamanism. They've shifted it now. They actually don't 
uh, designate. I'm from an older program um, that's kind of different. They've shifted it a bit now uh, just because mm-hmm. I think of just the way things have gone with the world. Um, right. But yeah, it's an accredited school of shamanism. It uh, was created by uh, a world-renowned anthropologist. His name is Dr. Alberto Veloto. He's one mm-hmm. of my main teachers as well. And um, he actually is trained and worked with uh, Kyoto uh, Shaman from from Peru, who, uh, yeah, have worked with him and trained with him for, I think, like 40 plus years. And uh, also their whole, uh, I guess, kind of part of those shaman that he worked with, their part of their path was to bring this more to like other people, bring those teachings and to Mm -hmm. uh, train more shaman outside of where they were um and apart because of us needing more i guess light workers for the times that we're in now for these like Mm -hmm. big shifts in consciousness that we're having um that kind of stuff so yeah i've i've trained a lot uh i've spent a lot of money on my training (laughs) and and have had just the privilege of actually working with real authentic teachers who are actually from the culture steeped in the culture and I feel like done it in an ethical way of just being able to obviously exchange appropriately and to be a really a part of those lineages been um given rights like that's something that's actually really important um when you're looking for I guess like healers uh Mm -hmm. if, if to to work with um, you know, do they have empowerments? Do they have rights? Have they been given permission? Um, mm-hmm. Those types of things. So, yeah, I, right. I'm i really fascinated by energy medicine. And that came from just how effective it was for me when I yeah. discovered it for my own healing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that was my path. And that was like I was sure that this was like going to be like my whole damn life. And then like <laughs> as training for a shaman, then I was like, oh, fuck, I'm supposed to sing. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. The old rope-a-dope. The old rope-a-dope. I mean, I love it. Like, I I mean, I think it's really, really cool. I think it's such a cool aspect of who you are. Um, I want to uh, quickly kind of just touch base on this, that uh, as I looked up the the definition of shaman, Mm. um, and it says it's a person regarded as having access to an influence in the world of good and evil spirits um, and a a few other things there. But for people kind of at home that are listening that maybe not are not as, uh, I guess, educated or, or... um, oh, I forgot the other word, but may, someone who's not as educated. Yeah. With shaman, kind of, are, are you, yeah, like, are, are yeah. you born with like shaman? It's inside you. Is it a, is it something you are born with and you train to kind of hone or is it something that uh, you get permission to, to do? I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think it's a little bit of all of the things you describe, like first and foremost, you, I, I didn't actually answer that part of your question before, but, um, <laughs> okay. a shaman really is someone like we basically are trained within my lineage. And that's just to say, like, again, there's many branches of shamanism. Right. Um, shamanism has been around since we were pretty much a people and like evolved and understood that we needed healing and that type of stuff. Right. Um, but, Yeah, I work within, I try to stay away from like good and evil and and try to, you know, talk about like light and shadow and Mm -hmm. because both Mm -hmm. are necessary. I definitely have navigated and work with some creepy ass shit. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. But I think I try not to put too much of that like egotistical charge of like good and evil. Um, And uh, yeah, so basically, yeah, what I'm trying to do is to access 
like dimensional libraries of our past, present and future and to bring forward that information to offer to my client with whatever it is that they're navigating Um, and, and to really just encourage actually like that inner healer. I think that we all are born with the ability to heal ourselves, to guide mm-hmm. ourselves. Um, really, again, like I am my greatest healer. You, Tommy, are your greatest healer. Right. Um, that's what I'm helping clients do is guiding them. And often, it, you know, I'm, I tend to be pretty straightforward and pretty blunt. Um, <laughs> right. I'm also very loving. Like I, I think I have that balance of being able to offer information mm-hmm. and observation to my clients with that balance, at least I'm told that I get a lot of like, I love you and I hate you at the same time. So that's about right. Like if I'm getting that type of vibe, (laughs) (laughs) it means I'm usually doing my job. Um, and yeah, like I, it's just like more spiritual. Like the people who come and see me, um, would probably be the same, like similar that people who would go to like therapy or something like that. Right. I just, I'm a bit of a more, um, I kind of uh, like we do a lot of the talking, the dialogue back and forth. I always offer like integrative tools and like homeworks, exercises for people to do to get that integration. And then the other aspect of it is that I also am performing like, um, yeah, just healings and cleansings on the energy body and also shamanic journeying. So that's where I bring the client into a trance like state um, using my voice and and using um, just imagery to guide them to a task or to an experience something like that. It's just so cool. Yeah, it's, it it's, is pretty cool. It, it, yeah, it's cool and it's interesting. And I think it's really, it's one of those, um, because I've never known a shaman. And, and to be fair, I've actually, I've never even thought about it until yeah. actually I heard of you. Oh, and I was really like, cool. uh, yeah, I was like, oh, this is actually very, very cool. And I think it's, I think a lot of people don't, um, and maybe you agree with this, maybe you don't, but uh, I think a lot of people don't, um, ex- uh, not experience, but explore options for healing. I think they think that therapy is the answer. And a lot of these, yeah. like, what is, I guess, would say a culturally correct way of healing with pain and or, or whatever they're going through sort of thing. Like, I mean, would you agree with that or would you not like kind of, I mean, I think that I think even like therapy for a lot of people is a stretch. Yeah. I think there's still so much stigma, but I, I will say, you know, over the last, I mean, gosh, I've been practicing energy medicine again for almost a decade, but really this has been like my full time. I've been building my shamanic practice in Edmonton Mm -hmm. for a solid, like five to seven years Um, you know, starting off small and just growing my clients and my business, my shamanic practice is literally word of mouth. It's 98% reference based. So what I like, you know, I think things are shifting and also up until, uh, you know, the pandemic happened and, and just in the last couple of months, um, I used to teach uh, a full moon class every month and a new moon Mm -hmm. class every month. Uh, and they went from being, you know, like five to 10 people up to like, I had to split it into two classes, like by the peak last year before the pandemic happened. Um, I did two sittings for a class and each had like 35 people each, you know? So I think people are starting to become more curious. I think that more and more people every day are questioning the, Mm -hmm. what is being offered to us in, in terms of, you know, healing ourselves, becoming better, that kind of stuff. And are questioning the status quo of like, 
maybe we want to explore something outside of like traditional Western medicine. And listen, I'm a big fan of Western medicine. I think they mm-hmm. actually go beautifully hand in hand. And lots mm-hmm. of my clients uh, do both. They, I have clients, right. you know, who struggle with anxiety, so they take medication and they come and see me, right, to work on right. other techniques to manage their anxiety. Um, right. Like, I, I think that they can work beautifully together um, mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, just kind of amplify each other. So, yeah, people come to me for all sorts of things. Like, you know, after a breakup, they're feeling stuck about something. They want to take mm-hmm. a big risk. They don't know how. Lots of trauma work. So a lot of people right. who've, um, you know, uh, have suffered or have been affected by, like, sexual abuse, emotional abuse, mental, physical abuse, that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, all of it. Like I, I really have seen over the years, I've, you know, I say it every time I've seen and heard everything until the next client comes. And then right. <laughs> it's like, a, I see and hear everything again, you know? Totally. Yeah. Wow. It's, I, I love it all. I just think it's so incredible. I think you're so unique. Um, <laughs> Thank you. And I mean, I'm going to like whiplash right into the next sort yeah, of thing. Uh, music, country music. Country music. I, 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 I mean, what a, another incredible asset of you as a human. Um, tell me about your journey with music because it, I'm sure it's probably very interesting and I want to hear everything about it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, you know, I, I came from an actually like very, uh, artistic and musical family. Uh, mm-hmm. my grandma, my grandparents on my, I was raised by my mom, a single mom. Um, uh, my hometown is Irma, Alberta. That's where my grandparents, uh, lived wow. their entire life. And yeah, shout okay. out to Irma. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm it's here for literally it. my life goal. Like I just want to reach a level in my career that like I can share the home of, uh, sign in Irma with Jean Perry, who that's where she was born. Jean Perry Amazing. company's coming. If anybody little can, yeah, out there. Mm-hmm. there you go. <laughs> yeah. I, I, uh, I want to get on that sign. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Oh my gosh. Dorje, the singing shaman from Irma, right? Alberta. What yeah. an, inc- yeah, it would be incredible. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, um, my grandma had like seven siblings and they grew up doing like seven part harmonies. My grandma was an incredible instrument, in- instrumentalist, uh, piano right. organ, push organ or push and pump organ, banjo, uh-huh. guitar, mouth organ, accordion, Um, yeah, so I grew up a lot around music and I definitely, um, took to it, but just had a couple of just, I feel like not even like major experiences, but just kind of times where, you know, uh, like I was singing and maybe like it wasn't received the right way or somebody made a comment that maybe they meant well, but it just, I took it in a different way, you know, just being young and Mm -hmm. impressionable. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just kind of chipped away at my self-esteem and, and, and by 18, like after, um, you know, going through high school and stuff like that and not really feeling like I found my place within like musical theater or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it just like knocked away at my self-esteem and I really didn't sing outside of like the odd karaoke so- song or messing with my, uh, bestie who's an actual opera singer, um, mm-hmm. you know. I just didn't sing. I would get like, my stage fright was horrific. Like one time Mm -hmm. a friend of mine had asked me to sing like uh, Amazing Grace at her grandma's birthday. And I, my body shook physically. Like anybody could see me, like my whole body was shaking. Oh my gosh. Um, Yeah. So like, I just stayed away from it. And then Mm -hmm. I also really just had this idea for whatever reason that I couldn't write songs. And, um, 
yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, I just had some of those things. So like fast forward, probably about 10 years, um, I, you know, paid my dues as a good Albertan up in the oil and gas industry. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I was just working admin and the, the admin job at the place that I worked at was what like funded to like all of my travels and my shamanic training and mm-hmm. my pilgrimage to Tibet, all that kind of stuff. I worked a really cool, like a classic seven and seven schedule. And, um, yeah. One of the guys I worked with up there was a classically trained guitarist. And I wow. just asked him one day if he would uh, teach me how to play guitar. I figured, like, maybe if I played guitar, I would feel more confident just to sing for myself, you know, like right. in my bedroom. Yeah. And yeah. uh, the first uh, couple of lessons, he was like, so, like, yeah, like, I, you know, I want to hear you sing. And I was like, eh. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> he pushed me to sing. Uh, the next time we met up, he wanted me to sing Adele, Someone Like You. So I, like, mm-hmm. practiced met up with him. I had to put my back towards him because I was so nervous. And again, my whole body was shaking yeah. and I sang it. I got through it and uh, I turned around and he was like super emotional. He had just this like really wow. very sweet response. And yeah. um, that clicked something in me. I was just like, okay, maybe right. I need to get out of my head and I need to give this a go. And then shortly after that, he challenged me to like, just write a song. He was warming up his guitar and I caught a riff from what he was warming up with. And mm-hmm. he just recorded it on his phone. He was like, and sent it to me. He was like, Hey, write a song and uh, come back next time <laughs> with a song. And I was like, Oh God, I can't do this. Sat down, <laughs> banged out a fucking song in like a half an hour. Wow. And, uh, that that is like the the humble beginnings wow. <laughs> up, in a, up in a camp room up in the middle of nowhere <laughs> in northern alberta you know like what a typical <laughs> alberta story like at the old sag d plant you and, know uh, yeah it, it's wow it, that is the quint, that is the alberta experience right there as a country music musician right. like. and, I, and the real trip of that also like the fact that i am black and queer and a woman but that was still my experience because i grew up in alberta like, holy yeah, crap it's Pretty just funny. insane and i mean really talking of your experience as a black queer woman um outside of music like how is that what is that like how kind of how is your is your everyday what is kind of what's your experience there I mean, yeah, like my, it's a really loaded question. I know. Yeah, it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, racism has been a consistent experience in my life from mm-hmm. the time I was really young. Um, and obviously just like my proximity to white people. I mean, my mom is, is white. Uh, mo- the family that I grew up around here in Alberta is all white. Like my, the black side of my family lives in New York and in Toronto and in uh, Dominica. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so it, it was just kind of something that, uh, I had to learn to live with, um, because mm-hmm. I was the literal and figurative minority, um, yeah. everywhere I went. And so you just try your best, I think, to assimilate. Yeah. Like just mm-hmm. things like I wanted to have straight hair. I wanted to try and look a certain way. I just wanted to, as much as I could just blend in and assimilate with the people around me. Right. Um, and even then, obviously on a lot of levels, that didn't really matter. Um, so yeah, yeah. I, I really did struggle a lot with that. And, you know, as much as like my mom is literally the bomb.com. I love her so much and she yeah. did so much for me. However, like there's still, there's an aspect of like, you know, not being able to fully relate 
<laughs> and right, right. And with that, like, I think that there's only so much that like my even my mom could be equipped to to help and navigate with that. You know what I mean? Like, so totally. Um, there's yeah. nothing that I like begrudge her at all. Like, she she always championed me whenever she could. Yeah. Uh, and also too, like whenever I felt even like safe enough to tell her, cause there's a lot of times I just felt so humiliated and so much shame, um, right. that I just wouldn't tell anybody <laughs> just like, uh, yeah. you know, and that, like, that was all, the, that's been all the way up, honestly, till like a couple of years ago, I haven't felt right. safe enough. I haven't felt, um, the space to be able to speak about like all of my experiences, all the ways mm-hmm. that I have been discriminated against. Um, because I've been worrying about like all my white friends and family (laughs) and their feelings and, and how they might take it or, you know what I mean? So, um, that's that certain survival technique. And I just hit a breaking point a couple of years ago and coming back to like my shamanic practice and all the ways that it also helps heal me. But, Mm -hmm. um, I had a client who was about 20 years younger than me. Oh God, I just aged myself so incredibly (laughs) there. Um, but, uh, yeah. And, uh, she actually grew up in Calgary and I'm sorry, am I saying Calgary like an Edmontonian also? Is it you know, Calgary? I, like, truly, I can't answer that because I was born and raised in England and I moved oh, to okay. Canada in 2008. So yeah. I don't know. Oh, okay. So, I mean, Calgary? if somebody's... Cal, is it Calgary? Like, I mean, maybe we should put this out like to the people. Like, are Let's we saying this wrong? Or, you know, is it Calgary yeah. or Calgary? Like, maybe hit yeah. us up on Instagram. There you go. I just, I, I, I worked with a lot of YYCers in the oil and gas and I often <laughs> got corrected. So I can, I can't remember now. The gin has uh, yeah. uh, taken that away from me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Calgary, <laughs> but I mean, Calgary. I might've, I, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this client uh, grew up in Calgary Uh, she was also biracial and, um, you know, had just very recently graduated high school and she literally was like, she had the exact same experience I had, man, like going Mm -hmm. in elementary and high school. And even now when I talk about it, it like brings a bubble to my throat. Cause it just like, it destroyed me for some reason. Like even I, in my mind, like thought that like, oh yeah, like things are, have to be better. Right. Like, right. Right. (laughs) And, and, and to hear that, um, yeah, it, it was a huge catalyst moment for me. And like, from that, I like, I went on to Instagram that day and like, I posted like a 10 part, like ugly cry video. And I was like, wake the fuck up people. Like <laughs> right. racism is still here. And, <laughs> and then I really uh, encouraged myself to start educating myself and fully understand like what is racism. Um, yeah. and that obviously took me down to the understanding of like, that it is systemic, that is so deeply entrenched into every single aspect of our systems as a society. Mm -hmm. And really what it benefits is the greater power at play, which is capitalism. (laughs) Right. Right. And, uh, you know, and, and how capitalism works, you know, like, listen, I, there's a, there's an idealistic capitalism that could work, but Mm -hmm. we live as a society not for the basis of human need, right? Like we live as a society for profit based on scarcity and abundance, um, those types of aspects, right? Like that there's Mm -hmm. not enough for everybody and that everything's a competition. And so because of that, like we don't live as a people as like, this is like, just like we need to live as a society for just meeting all of our needs, like all of us, because we have it. We have all the resources to do that now. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it's just like, because like the way everything is built. So yeah, I, I think 
yeah, we really went down the rabbit hole. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> you know, I, um, truly, yeah. I think this is an important conversation to have. Yeah. So right? that, that's been the experience for me. I, 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 I have to be mindful how many like personal experiences that I share about racism because I've had to do yeah. it a lot over the last year. Um, mm-hmm. And it's pretty taxing for me. Um, yeah. And it's also like there's now this point where I, I try to be as mindful because like um, it gets to this place of like, why do I have to like, you know, prove to you that this is happening? And I think that yeah. happens a lot with black and indigenous and people of color. Like, we have to prove that we've had these experiences. Um, yeah. And like, I don't know, like, did we all like I missed that conference where we all got together and decided to make up this story that this was like a thing. <laughs> <Absolutely>. <laughs> I missed that memo. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think that for me, that experience with that client um, yeah. was like I was like, no more. I, I can't be silent anymore. I can't look myself in the mirror anymore. If things aren't changing and, you know, this is, I mean this with respect, but like, I can't, we can't wait around for like white folks to take the charge and to do anything. Um, and so, you know, I don't think that that's fair, but I think that's what is the case. And I feel like I have been given the gift of a voice. I know that I have the gift of being able to connect with people. I've always had that ability Mm -hmm. to do that. And to, I think to reach people and, uh, So that was it. And I had to educate myself first. I had to understand systemic racism. I had to understand internalized racism. I had to fully understand, like, just learning the language of my experiences, right? And from that, then you feel much more empowered to speak about it. And um, Absolutely. Yeah, so that's definitely, I was obviously preparing because, you know, racism 2020 hit last year. And um, I was ready for it, Yeah, I Uh, I guess, in a way. Sounds messed Absolutely. up to say, but yeah. I just, I, I, every time you, you speak, I'm just, I'm like this woman. I like, I can't with you. It, it, like, <laughs> you're just, you're so well spoken. And I mean, I, even the, your experience as a, a woman of color, I mean, I wasn't actually even planning to go into that here, yeah. but I just, I think you're, because you're so well spoken and, and because you just, you have this like inviting kind of part of you that, it, it almost makes me want to have this conversation and I don't want to do it here. I want to do it privately where, you know, it's yeah. where I can talk with you and maybe educate myself on some other stuff. And people don't need to hear that because there needs to be, and maybe correct me if I'm wrong, there needs to be onus on our listeners who need to reach out to someone, whoever, you know, a person of color in their life or, or whatever, yeah. um, you know, you to, know. to, to I think what I would say to that is, is that I think it's the onus of white people to actually utilize resources appropriately. So I think it's always a big thing. I actually just had to have another boundary check with a friend who just messaged me. He's like, Hey, I just want to ask you something like with no context really quick. And I was like, okay, cool. Just talked yeah. on a video chat and they were like, <laughs> I just watched this movie about like cops and racism and like yeah. just hopped into it. And it was something where I had to stop them and be like, yo, like, It's not that I don't want to, you know, engage in these conversations. That's a boundary that in general I'm comfortable with, in particular with like friends and family. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, when it is appropriate for me to be in that kind of, I guess, education role. But um, I also was just like, you know, I'm in a like I'm in a I'm in it today. I'm in the thick of like all this stuff. And like, I don't want to like help you sort out your deal with racism right now, you know? Totally. And so I need you to actually just check in (laughs) and say like, hey, I want to ask you something that has to do with like racism. 
Do you have the capacity? Do you feel safe to do so? And I think that that's something that white people need to be mindful of is like you need to treat black people, indigenous people and people of color with care. If you're going to seek them out for your education on something that affects us that we live with every single day, Mm -hmm. Um, because all of us. Well, I don't want to be a monolith and talk about for all BIPOC people, but I would say like many of us are still navigating racial trauma right now. Right. And we can never fully, I feel, like that the the opportunity for us to completely heal from racial trauma will never mm-hmm. be available to us until we fully change all these systems. So we're yeah. always navigating. I'm sure you heard it a lot last year, right? Of black yeah. folks, indigenous folks saying, I'm tired. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's like absolutely. been the mantra. Like I'm tired. Um, It's that it's like we are already it's like white folks are kind of late showing up to this party and they're like, oh, like we were supposed to bring something. Oh, shoot. (laughs) And like we've all been here. (laughs) Right. Yeah, totally. (laughs) You know, and our resources are low. So I think that the first and foremost thing I would say, like if you have somebody in your circle, in your social circle that is black, indigenous or people Mm -hmm. of color, more than anything, instead of seeking them out to educate you on racism Um, by potentially Mm -hmm. re-traumatizing them and asking them about their lived experience for you to actually just reach out the next time you see something on the news that is like centered in racism and say, hey, things are wild in the world right now. I just want to check in on you. Are you okay? Are you cool? I think that if you have somebody that has told you that they are comfortable with doing that in your personal life, I also think it's important to think about compensating them in some way, whether that be like, you know, just straight up cash <laughs> right? or yeah. a massage or whatever that is. And understand that like that should be an exchange where right. the black indigenous or person of color doesn't feel drained or that they had to give something of themselves to educate you. Right. And then I also want to just say like the Internet, Mother Google, bless her. Yeah. She is a wealth of knowledge and they're incredible mm-hmm authors out there, activists out there, there's science behind racism. All of those resources are available. And please also, yes. And the thing that you definitely are right about, Tommy, I do think that white folks should look to black indigenous and people of color to as resources for education, but just make sure you're being mindful and you're doing it with care and you're doing it like in the right way. Right. I, I, yeah. Yes. I, amazing. I love yeah. you. <laughs> like, handbook. Oh, I love I, you too. <laughs> it's just incredible. I mean, yeah. And I'm going to, I'm going to leave that conversation there because yeah, for sure. I think you ended it on such a beautiful note. So, um, and I guess kind of really a, a complete left turn, a new kind of outlaw. Oh yeah. What a jam. So what I, I'm again, obsessed. <laughs> I, now this came out, uh, was it November 11th or, so, or 17th? Hmm. Somewhere around there. November um, 17th. You got it. Yeah. You nailed November it. November 17th. So a couple months ago, and I, just, I actually listened to it for the first time today. Yay. And uh, yeah, I was at work and I was actually stocking some booze because I do work part-time at a, at a liquor store. Bless, bless. I've done it so, myself. There you go, right? Uh, so listening to it today and I I want to know where did New Kind of Outlaw come from? What Like what is this? What does it mean? Um, yeah, it actually was one of the songs that I wrote during racism 2020. Um, but Mm -hmm. definitely like a lot of pent up, um, a a lot of pent up feelings and commentary that 
again, I, I guess I haven't really felt safe to put out there publicly. And I think I just hit my breaking point last year and I was like, fuck it. Like, I actually just right. don't care anymore. I'm sick yeah. of people being like, I, I just feel like wishy-washy and, and not saying the things that need to be said. Because you know what? The more we talk about this and acknowledge it, then the sooner we can stop talking about it, right? Yeah, like, totally. If people just want to bury their head in the sand. And obviously, I just feel like I witnessed that with um, the country music industry in Alberta, everywhere, mm-hmm. of just like, you know, people posting that black square on June 2nd and then just like nothing ever again. And so just right. like a lot of performative stuff. Um, I get that like everybody, you know, that was posted, like, you know, everybody protests in a different way and everybody changes in a different way. But like, also if you can post a selfie every single fucking day of your life, um, Mm -hmm. or like your content on your social media is on point. And I think, you know, I think that you actually do have the space and the capacity to talk about this stuff as well. And, Mm -hmm. um, just to bring it forward and, Right. I think like all of us, like we have the ability to be citizens or agents of change within our world and to leave it a better place than when we found it. And that doesn't mm-hmm. mean it's easy work. So, yeah, I, I just got frustrated around the silence and, and the performative activism and, you mm-hmm. know, just the erasure and like also the tokenism that then was also happening. Like Mickey Guyton had was like writing articles about her experience and it was just like right. fucking gut wrenching to like talk about yeah. Darius Rucker had done like an interview and I'm just like, okay. And he was talking about how, um, he'd gone to radio stations. They were shopping around, uh, his first single, like his first country, like solo single that yeah. he was doing. And like radio stations literally were like, yeah, man, like this is great. But like, we just can't, like, we're just not gonna, there's no space for a black musician. And I'm like, how do like, do you turn away Hootie? Like if Hootie can't uh, fucking make it, if Hootie can't make it because all of us listened to Hootie and the Blowfish's yeah. album and it changed everybody's life. Uh, I don't yeah. care who the fuck you are. <laughs> so yeah. like, this is what I'm saying. Like if somebody like that doesn't have <laughs> an in yeah. like with the, or a base for like a radio station to turn somebody like him away for Mickey mm-hmm. Guyton to be the only black woman signed to a major record country record label, Mm-hmm. Um, and for them to sit on her album for years, to sit on her, they put her on the fucking shelf because yeah. there was no market for a black woman. I literally was talking to Mickey today. I don't want to like talk about our private conversation, but just right. like us sharing like the experiences yeah. and like, she's a fucking star. Like she's literally nominated for a Grammy, like all this stuff that's coming on. I just, yeah. there's just been so much erasure. And at the end of the day, like the truth of the matter is, is that country music is black and you yeah. I, people can be upset or triggered about that comment. I'm not saying it to disrespect or to take away country music mm-hmm. from white folks either. Um, you know, yeah. the line in the song actually is country music is black too, like the backup singers. But when I sing it by yeah. myself, it's just country music is black. Um, right. But um, yeah, I think it's just like, what is the right thing to do? We've erased um, all of the, so many of the contributions that black folks have made to our culture, everybody's culture, their day-to-day culture. Um, and, but you all benefit, you profit off of it, but you can't come to bat for us, you know? Right. And that's a big piece for me that like, I mean, God, every time people look at me and they hear I sing country music, their mouth, their jaw drops. They're like, what? Like you don't, I was at a, a, a industry event like a year ago and Mm -hmm. a lady there was just like, yo, like you, you're a country singer. Like you do not look like a country singer. 
Um, you know, I went to Lamley's for my birthday just this last year. Um, my partner wanted to buy me some cowboy boots and right. we were there and we brought the boots up to the, the counter, uh, you know, and like the woman at the counter was like, oh, like you guys are here for Halloween costumes. Like, I'm like oh, man. do you have people that come in to buy $300 cowboy boots for a Halloween costume? Like, because <sighs> oh, it just, you know, it's just, it's just yeah. little things like that. And, um, totally. I just, I want people to be brave. I got a message actually a couple of weeks ago from a country radio DJ here in Alberta who mm-hmm. said that she's silent about it. She doesn't talk about stuff like that in country music because she's worried she'll lose her job. Like, right. it, it's really frustrating for me, <laughs> yeah. you know, and that's where a new kind of outlaw came from. And also this, my own, that again, my personal feedback of being told I'm not a fit in mainstream country music and also that I kind of felt like for a little while I was kind of being produced that way to fit in. Right. But it was just like when I really sat down and asked directly, like, do you think I'm going to make it just based on my sound, based on right. who I am? Do I fit within there? And it was like a solid no. <laughs> oh. And it's not about my talent. It's not about like, you know, my singing, my songwriting, anything. It's just who the fuck I am. And I think that's right. so messed up. And I yeah. say this humbly, like, I think my music's really great. And yeah. it's taken me a long place to get to that, to say that out loud and to say that confidently. Yeah. Um, and it's not that I have this, like, huge hard-on to be in mainstream country music, but I don't like people telling me that I can't. Right. You feel me? Like, Absolutely. And, and, and based on this stuff, and, you know, like, I have this real tentative thing you know, of even just like attending events, like with country music, Alberta, like it's uncomfortable to me to like, think about going to events like that. And I'm going to be the only black person there. It's fucking weird. Right. And, um, you know, I just was on the phone. I'm being filmed for a documentary next week up here in Edmonton for black history Mm -hmm. month. And, um, the woman was like, so like, you're like the first like black country musician in Alberta or like, (laughs) I was like, Oh fuck. I don't even know. Like fucking maybe I am. I was like, probably like on a professional level. Like, I don't know. I probably am maybe the like most like first professional black queer country musician in our province. I don't know. Maybe I don't want to claim that if it's not. And I don't really want to claim that, but, um, yeah, I don't even know another, like, professional black country musicians that's come out of Alberta. Like Jojo Mason is the closest, but he was, you know, he's from born in Saskatchewan and lives in BC. So like, again, it's like a weird position to be put in. And it's another layer that I have to navigate with my career. Um, Or I can be silent and, um, you know, (laughs) not say anything and hate myself. And uh, yeah, 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 it's, I think they're, I think, I mean, and I'll say it very, very bluntly as a member of the the family here in, in, in Alberta, like, there is a place for you. There always has been and there always will be as far as long as, as far as I'm concerned, Yeah. you know, and I, I just think, I, yeah, uh, I have goosebumps and I'm getting all weird about it, but there <laughs> is and there always will be a place for you in yeah. Alberta country music and I will make sure of that. Yeah, you know. I really I appreciate that. I think at this point, like I've I've been able to evolve to the place that like at some point, like for me personally, it doesn't really matter anymore. Mm-hmm. I, I think in that sense, like I, I'm just going to validate my own experience as an artist. But I do 
I do feel another layer of I if there is some other black kids out there in Alberta that feel like this might be for them. Mm-hmm. I do think like representation is important. And if you don't understand why representation is important, that's something great for you to Google and understand that yeah. why that's important. Um, right. But so there's that element for me. I understand yeah. and accept that I am going to continue to be tokenized. Like I know a part of the reason why I'm popping off right now is because of like who I am now, how I look, because it is the trend right now. Yeah. Um, and, and that's okay. I can accept that as well, but that doesn't mm-hmm. take away from me thinking that I also deserve to be here. Um, yeah. and that's all new, new kind of Allah was. It's just like, it was kind of like my love letter and my hate letter with country music. I wrote it like in a, like a fever. Like I was just like, it was like 20 minutes. I was like, bam. And it was like, as I was writing it, I was like, <laughs> it was like, I was battle rapping in my living room. I was like, right. like, duh. like I was just so <laughs> fucking mad. Um, yeah. I just had finished. Yeah. Like another, um, you know, musician in the industry who has like done fairly well for herself had just said again, she listened to my stuff and she's just like, yo, your shit's so good. Da, da, da. Yeah. But again, she's like, you're, yeah, you're just not gonna, what I know about the radio industry and country and stuff like that. Like you're just not going to fit within that right. formula. So don't even bother. Um, right. and again, she said it with like compassion. Like I don't begrudge her for saying that she was giving me the honesty, but I just, I'm like, okay, so like, when are we just going to fucking change that then? I mean, when are we going to love your music? Because it's your music. Yeah. And not have to talk about these types of things. And absolutely, you know, that's just it. And like, again, understanding that there's like that double edged sword. You know, I was in the journal up here in Edmonton and it was incredible. They gave me a whole ass front page of like the art section, my big ass face. And like, (laughs) you know, and then on the front uh, cover, I was on the front page as well. And it was like local black queer country artist, Right. Um, yeah. And that in itself is the headline. That's what's newsworthy about me. Yeah. Right. It's not that like my music comes secondary. And right. I do hope for the day that that will shift. But I don't I don't believe that that will shift until we do start talking about this and making country yeah. music more um, inclusive and yeah. the reason why I'm, I mean, this is my channel, right? This is my avenue. Like, this is where I'm supposed to make an impact because this is yeah. what I'm doing. Like, I'm not trying to make an impact in an industry or something else that I'm not really a part of. I'm yeah. trying to brighten up the corner of the world that I live in. And right. it's here. And I'm hoping to, I mean, I mean, I'll talk about anything. But yeah, like the Country Music of Alberta Association, they're looking for more like new boards of directors and stuff and like, I'm just yeah. emailing back and forth to see if I can throw my hat in for that. Like, I just, I, I want to be a part of this community, but only if like, it's going to change and it's going to be more accessible to BIPOC Absolutely. and the LGBTQ2S plus family as well. Like, I just, I, I want us to boost up those numbers. Absolutely. I am here for that. I, I, as soon as, if I see your name on that ballot, I, I mean, not, not to be out here, be a bias or anything like that. However, uh, it, you know, you know, the answer to that with me, but, um, no, I, I mean, I'm here for it. And you know, uh, obviously Robert Adam, and, oh, uh, my love, you know, Obsessed. He, he got me through this pandemic, man. I mean, every Aww. night we talk on the phone, we're actually going to talk on the phone tonight after we're, Yay. we're done here. Tell him um, I love him. I will. I will. He, and he was on a couple of weeks ago and he is the other, the, I guess the other LGBTQ member in our association, yeah. except for yeah, me. Him. 
Yeah, and Mariah, Mariah Stokes. Oh, also and Mariah, is queer, yeah. absolutely. Um, and yep. I believe I well, I'm not sure if actually they're out, so maybe I'll just leave that. But I do believe that there's another country band that there's a couple of queer folk in there. But yeah. oh, I I also yes, I absolutely yeah. know who you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we'll just absolutely. be on the safe side. <laughs> yeah, totally. I yes. Um, yeah, and I mean, I think I think uh, yes, yes. I'm just out here being. I yeah. I'm obsessed. I, all of this, the fact that this is even happening to me, that we're sitting here talking at 11 o'clock at night is just, it's wild. I love it. Yeah. You um, caught me at the best time. This is like, you're like, it's, it's eight o'clock too late. I'm like, how about 10? Oh my God. I was, I loved it. I was out today and I was actually with Michaela. Yeah. And, um, I love I her. Like, she, she's, yeah. She's like, who are you talking to? And I was like, Dorje. <laughs> and she was like, uh, yes, this is amazing. And I was like, we are I uh, gonna do this tonight at whatever, and I was like ten o'clock, and, and Michaela was like, "That's your hour," and I was like, "Yes." Yeah. Yeah. So, yo, she's love fire. I love her so much. She's like one of the most. I just, I'm a sucker for a vocalist. I mean, she's everything. She's a obviously she plays uh, instruments and is a songwriter, but also like mm-hmm. I just her, her voice melts my face, and I love it. <laughs> love it. Yeah, me too. I mean, I hear her all the time. She, she's just—it's just, it's just I've always, outrageous. I've known you for a while because I followed her for a while, and obviously, you're in a lot of her stories. And I mean, yeah. you both have brought me a lot of humor over the years. I will tell you that for sure. Oh, thank you. That's all we want to do. <laughs> I just want to make the world like a bit of a happier place, you know? Yeah. Um. Now, I mean, speaking of of kind of other artists, who's your top artists right now? Like, um, Canadian. It can be Canadian or or worldwide or. Whoever. I want to know who your, your top artists are. Um, honestly, legit, uh, Robert Adam is like, I mean, my main main right now. Um, I finally mm-hmm. just got weaned myself off of listening to his EP. Oh, Prairie Gold. Repeat. Oh, it's yeah. so good. That song Avalanche, like me and my partner, we drive around and uh, we love to like look at Christmas lights and stuff. Just chill. Yeah. And uh, oh. we just put his stuff on repeat and get really dramatic yeah. about it while we're performing <laughs> his songs. Oh. And um, so, yeah, I think everybody should listen and support him. He's amazing. Um, maybe mm-hmm. some like other kind of like really great. Uh, if you're looking for, I guess, like top man, there's so many. Uh, yeah. Valerie June is always like an incredible uh, artist that I go to. And she's like a blend of like country and folk and roots. Um, mm-hmm. Just like really spiritual. And um, I feel like also if I can say it like concise music. Like there's not I don't feel like there's a lot of bells of whistles to her music, but it's so beautiful and powerful. Um, All right. It doesn't need it. And um, who else have I been really into? Uh, Brittany Spencer. Um, mm-hmm. She's kind of blown up big time, particularly in this last year. Uh, like, because Maren Morris gave, gave her a shout out on one of the awards mm-hmm. show or like on Twitter or something. Right. Um, she's been really great. And actually, her and I are set up to do a co-write in March. Uh, she just also she just did a co-write with Jason Isbell and Amanda Shires. Oh, my um, gosh. Yeah. And we got linked up through um, Hunter Kelly from Proud Radio on Apple Music. He like mm-hmm. connected the two of us together and was like, you guys should jam out. So yeah. um, there's another great artist over in the UK that I'm going to be doing a co-write with here as well. Uh, he's another queer country artist. His name is Tommy Atkins. Mm-hmm. Um, he's really, really so sweet. Paisley Fields is this really cool queer musician out of New York. And, uh, yeah, 
just like, I don't know. There's really, I think it's like if, if you are somebody who loves country music, but you are feeling like you're getting weary of like a lot of the bro country or like that formula yeah. country that is out there. And again, mm-hmm. I don't want to shit on that music. I'm not doing that at all. But if you're looking for something mm-hmm. different, um, do yourself a favor and just like, yeah, look up like BIPOC artists, LGBTQ, 2S plus uh, artists. Uh, country Queer is a publication that is a great, they actually have a directory of queer oh, wow. uh, country artists like that right. you can <laughs> look up. Um, okay. Yeah, Delilah Black. Oh my gosh, there's just so many. I love every yeah. time that I get asked this question. I'm like, uh, 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 and I love that you just you have this this list of people. I love it. Yeah, like, man. I uh, I'm I'm really inspired. Uh, I I try to when I'm in like writing zones. I I try to really limit the amount of other people's music that I listen to, um, mm-hmm. but. Uh, because of where I'm at with my career, where like I'm doing interviews and, and that kind of stuff and being brought more into the queer community with country music has been the most welcoming, um, has been the ones, you know, Mariah Stokes was the one that uh, connected me last year with like the Blue Jay sessions. She spoke up for me. Rob right. Adams, again, has been just like so supportive, invited me to do a show with him down in Calgary last year. Um, country queer, this publication has been like, they they write about me all the time. They just like released an interview again. Like, I mean, I'm like, man, you guys, they include me in all these tweets. Um, (laughs) yeah, they're just like really sweet. Uh, like I said, proud radio on Apple music, which is, uh, centered for the queer folk. So that has been like, you know, and even the blue Jay sessions eat North is run by Dan Clapson. He's a gay man. Like that community have been, have been the ones to embrace me the most and, why I'm yeah. on this trajectory that I, I feel like I am on now, you know? Yeah. Um, absolutely. so yeah, I, I'm so, so, so appreciative. So those are definitely going to be the people that I want to amplify the most and to try and give that back right. as much as possible. Uh, uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. You, you just, you just take the words right out of my mouth. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, guys, like go, you do that. <laughs> I'm gonna um, I'm gonna give attributed all my uh, well my well spoken words tonight to Long Table Distillery, <laughs> <laughs> the gin of podcasts. There it is. I mean, maybe we should just have everybody drink Long Table Distillery <laughs> while we record Tom Weekly. Yeah, I think so. I mean, because that doesn't develop habits whatsoever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it's a little but, lubrication. Um, it's fine. <laughs> exactly. It's totally fine. I mean, mine mine is brought to you by Kettle One Vodka. Okay. Um, okay. It's, fancy. It's grapefruit and rose. Okay. You know? Yeah. It's very, I've just learned it's a lot nice. about you, Tommy. I feel like much more close to you, much more intimate in our dynamic uh. now. I have that. never wanted anything more than to be cl- <laughs> to, to be close to Dorje the you. singing shaman. Like <laughs> I just we are in different cities, but we're you know bound by heart, bound so by close, heartstrings. But so far, yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I'm just here for it. Uh, I we're coming up on an hour, and I mean, I it has been really the most incredible hour. I mean, uh, there's a lot of times that we do these podcasts and we touch base with people, and and it's always about the music which is it always should be and it's always about you know whatever said person is is in or what industry that they're in and i think that you kind of broke that mold in the best way possible like as i do (laughs) as you do just by waking up in the morning you just 
you are the sunshine to my night sky. Oh, and that's, bless you know. your heart. That's very sweet. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Um, now I finally, kind of before I let you go, but um, where do we find you? Where do we find Dorje? Yeah, I'm I'm all over the things. Um, <laughs> my Instagram is 17 degrees of Dorje. Um, and like, yeah, 17 degrees of Dorje is kind of like all my social media handles. Facebook is just Dorje the Singing Shaman. My website is dorje.ca, D-O-R-J-A-Y.ca. Mm-hmm. Um, if you are really like into helping out an artist who is trying to make a living, um, and if you're into my music and want to check out my album, Bandcamp is the bestest way to support artists because we mm-hmm. get the majority of the money um, and you get to actually download the album as opposed to streaming it. Um, right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I'm just really excited for people to hear, um, you know, all of who I am. There's a lot of range on this album. And, you know, it's not just about mm-hmm. like being a black person in country music there. there it's a very well-rounded rounded album in my in my mind. And um, yeah, yeah I, I, I touch on a lot of things. I touch on toxic masculinity and the song Haunting. Um, yeah. I talk about sexual assault and abusive dynamics in relationships in a song called Dirty Little Secrets. There's a song about my grandma on the album. Um, and I have a cover of One Headlight by the Wallflowers also that's really cool yeah. and really proud of. It is very, um, very, very good. Yeah, so there's a lot of like, you know, I think there's something there hopefully for everyone um, or at least I think some intersection where um, really any audience, any person from any demographic can connect to. I have, I absolutely agree, 100%. On the album artwork is just bomb. Do you want to give a shout out to Thank who did you. that? Who shot that? Who did the graphics? Um, yeah, so the graphics in particular is uh, one of my dearest friends. Her name is Rebecca Rolseth. She's based out of Vancouver. She has been my friend for, man, like 15 plus years. We used to work together in um, ad advertising at an ad agency. And uh, she just works on all of my um, yeah design graphics. The photograph itself is by a photographer here in um, Edmonton. Is He goes by Tegan, T-Y-G-E-A-N. Um, cool. And that picture is actually, it's like he shot it with film. And wow. then, uh, yeah, Rebecca, like, zhuzh it all up. And then the hat I'm wearing, the wi- the wire cowboy hat um, yeah. that has, like, Swarovski crystals and everything. Because, like, my afro doesn't fit a regular cowboy hat. Right. Um, and, and also, can somebody make a, a cowboy hat to fit my afro? That would be oh, nice. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Obsessed. Let's do it. And, uh, yeah, but... Uh, and uh, so I'm really proud that I got to showcase off that hat. Um, my partner's name is Saint, and uh, their um, Instagram and their 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 jewelry company is called In Loving Color Studios. You can find them on Instagram, and they do really badass like facial jewelry, custom stuff, like really really cool. Nice. So, um, yeah, I, Ooh, just, I might have uh, to do some shopping. Yes, go and check out my babe's stuff. I'm going They're to. The best. I'm really, really going to because I mean, <laughs> I need to get something to match my seven-inch white platform boots. So, um, yeah, Saint will have something for you, or will make something for you that will knock people's socks off. Well, incredible! I'm here for that 100. <laughs> percent So, um, well, incredible! I mean, it, it has been truly like the coolest experience talking with you. And I mean, we're gonna end this out, but stay on the phone so we can chat for a second after. Yeah, of course. Um, but it, it's just you. You blew my mind. I mean, I had expectations of what this was going to be, and it was nothing like that. And I, Whoa, that is, that's great. 
it was just that. the best uh, the best hour of my fucking life and it's fucking 11 <laughs> o'clock at night and i just i never want to not be on the phone with you oh yeah <laughs> yeah you did your job so I'll win them over one person at a time <laughs> look at that now and everybody listening to this like i truly hope you go follow dorje and, and yeah, listen to do. their music and just just do it i, I just yes go yeah. um dorje you're incredible thank you for being here and we'll talk to you soon okay awesome bless you tommy thank you so much for having me yes bye (laughs) Bye. hey y'all it's tom from tom weekly hey don't forget to subscribe itunes spotify wherever you get your podcasts subscribe 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 click the little bell share it with all your friends so tom weekly can be everybody's weekly coffee date with their mom except i'd be your mom and that'd just be weird subscribe